Welcome back, everybody, to another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Auburn's first scrimmage of preseason camp is in the books over the weekend. They've only got one more. It'll be this Friday as we record this right now on Tuesday night. And what is Auburn going to get done this week between the end of the first scrimmage and the end of the second scrimmage? Well, this is pretty much it for the rest of the rest of camp. After this, they're going to transition into looking ahead to their first opponent, Akron. And Brian Harson said on Saturday... After that, it's depth chart time. It's time to, to iron out these battles and take a look at what they learned in fall camp and go through and really start to set these lineups a couple weeks before the season starts. So to kind of run through the depth chart right now, to kind of run through what we've learned, because we've got a lot of good information over the past few days, and we really have kind of a good grasp on, I, I would imagine, all but maybe one or two position groups. We're going to go back to the roundtable today. We've got Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell here to discuss. And so... We'll start with the offense. We'll start with the quarterback position. Um, Jason, you and I were just talking before the show started. Um, you know, back in 2019, when it was Joey Gatewood, when it was Bo Nix, the thing was that people aren't really thinking about right now. I mean, both of them got first team reps. That's what a true quarterback battle is, is when you're giving both guys an opportunity in that first offense. And like you said, maybe TJ Finley is getting that right now. But for the majority, Bo Nix is eating all those first team reps right now. And it I mean, Finley's, I think, has been a good addition for this room, but I really don't see a situation where Bo Nix isn't the starter week one. Yeah, I think just the fact that he was here in the spring is such a big deal when you're talking about a new offense. Um, you know, I think T.J. Finley, I think he's getting some first-team reps in there, but I don't think he's getting the first reps, which is a big – you know, that's always the kind of the, 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 the classifier when you start talking about it. I think he's gotten some first-team reps um, maybe down the line a little bit. Um, and, and I think, you know, Demetrius Davis – probably got, you know, getting a few as well. But I think you start to see those things kind of narrow down. And, um, you know, I thought – I think continue to, to think that Bo Nix is – when you look at his technique, his, his footwork, those things continue to look a little cleaner. I thought, you know, watching him on Tuesday, you know, we got to see him throw into receivers. You know, so I thought he threw the ball really well. Um, T.J. Finley throws it well too. But I think that, you know, you know we, we talked about it, that experience, uh, having two years under your belt um, and having that spring uh, is something that – Mark, well, I know we've talked about it. I think it's, it's such a hard thing for a guy to overcome that hasn't been in an offense before. Yeah, the uh, I think the big battle is who's going to be the number three quarterback right now. Is it going to be Demetrius Davis or is it going to be Grant Loy? And, you know, Grant Loy's getting a lot of snaps out there. And he also went through spring practice as does Demetrius Davis. And, uh, you know, Davis has got some shake and bake to him. And Grant Loy can run the ball pretty well too. But to me, he's just the, the weak link as far as the passers go in that group. And, uh, you know, I think Bo Nix and uh, TJ Finley are certainly ahead of those other guys as a passer. So, uh, you know, the good thing is they got some bodies out there. They even have two pretty good walk-ons too. You know, some teams haven't, have, are having trouble getting two good quarterbacks, you know, look at LSU. They're down to, to Zach Johnson right now. So if he gets hurt, they got a big problem. I think South Carolina's got a big problem too on quarterback depth. They pulled a uh, somebody who was a graduate student helping them, um, you know, prepare for games. They put him uh, on the rosters or 13 quarterbacks. So I think it's a bit of a luxury getting TJ Finley in and getting another guy who's actually started games in the SEC guys. 
Yeah, I can't. He's he, the guy played at Iowa State, and then he was Trey Lance's backup at uh, North Dakota State last year. Um, yeah, Shane Beamer put him on scholarship. Yeah, it, you continue to see those examples of why that TJ Finley addition um, was so important for Auburn. Also, another thing we were talking about before the show. Um, I mean, COVID is a thing that exists right now for Auburn. They're not yet at that vaccination threshold, so uh, you never know what's going to happen. You know, your QB one isn't immune when it comes to that. Um, so, you know, you never know what's going to happen come a game setting. Obviously, injuries are at play as well. Talking about Demetrius Davis, he probably was the most talked about, one of the most talked about players, both from Brian Harson and from people inside the scrimmage um, on Saturday. Like you said, Mark, he's got a lot of ability to him. Um, I think probably what he does best, and you know, we saw him out of North Shore in Houston, he creates best when he's outside the pocket. Um, definitely an electrifying player. Um, but he made a lot of good plays in that scrimmage on Saturday, or so we heard from Harson and those people in there. Yeah, he, he he did a lot of that, but he also did it against the third team defense. So uh, very true. Uh, but but the, the key thing is is the guy is just a winner. He almost didn't lose a game at all. It's a three year starter in high school, Nathan, out in Houston. He was playing really good competition out there. Uh, took his team to two state championships, and uh, you know the big question about him is is height going to be a problem? I know he's not very tall. My guess is he's 5'9 to 5'10 in that range, but he's 202 pounds. And so he's elusive. So he can get out of the pocket and make some play. Moving on now to the other side of the backfield with the running backs. Um, obviously, we know what we've got, the one-two punch of Tank Bigsby and Sean Shivers. That's, that's not going to change. But, Jason, somebody asked me earlier this week, who they thought was going to be the number three, who we think the number three running back is going to be between the two newcomers, Jarquez Hunter and Jordan Ingram. I'm kind of thinking it's a blend of the two just because their skill sets are so different. And both of them have kind of taken equal amounts of third team reps, if I'm not mistaken, this preseason. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not ruling out a walk on either. I'm not ruling out Sean Jackson to, to, to get into the mix there. I mean, you're talking about three different. They're all three very different. Jarquez Hunter is kind of the explosive um, downhill kind of Trey Mason type. Um, when you look at his, you know, stature 5'10, 5'11, 200 pounds, a guy that when you start talking about breaking a record by Marcus Dupree, um, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, and that, and he has that ability. Jordan Ingram's a guy that I saw in high school a bunch. He is built like Carry On Johnson. Carry On was a basketball player that could have been a safety. Um, I don't know if he's the athletic, athletic guy that Carry On was. But he kind of has the same style of play. Uh, when you look at him, he's kind of the longer, leaner guy. And then Sean Jackson is 5'9", 5'10", 236 pounds. But I guess photos of him today uh, going through a drill, and, and they're kind of jumping over dummies and, and practicing scoring touchdowns. And he had no problem getting over top of those things. He's an explosive kid. He had 82 receptions as a high school running back. Uh, let that sink in for a little bit, folks. I mean, he caught 82 passes as a high school running back. That not, that's not done. Um, you don't see high school running backs catch a ton of passes, and he did. Um, so I think you look at all three of those guys, and we talked about it before. Um, it's not like you're you're talking about a position where rarely, like quarterback, if you know if you knock on wood, you'll you'll you know you might have some injuries there, but normally it's you're, you're it's one of two guys that are playing most of the year. Uh, running backs. You see those guys get banged up. You have to get to three and maybe four, maybe five. Um, they Just like quarterback, they went out and got themselves some options, and, and I think that was a big deal. 
I just my only concern is if something like you said, one of those top two guys, because um, I think the the magic number in a running back room is probably five. But when you've got four, if they're completely healthy, like I mean, and I think Ingram and Hunter have been really good. Hunter's kind of that straight ahead. He's got great burst. I think he'll do well in this downhill system. Um, and then Ingram kind of that smooth, like carry on Johnson, like you said, um, a smooth guy out of the backfield. But if something happens to, to tank Bigsby, th- this, this goes from how, you know, you have one of the best backs in the sec to having, um, a bit of a thin lineup, not a very thin lineup though, a receiver, which is where we'll move to next, but it, it's difficult right now to project who is going to be in that main rotation. Like Bo Nix said last week, I think he said to play musical chairs. And we see that every day when we go to practice. Um, Demetrius Robertson, Xavier Capers, Elijah Canyon. That's fine. They're the main guys, but I mean, they're rotating so many guys in there in that room. You just see them off to the side working and there's so many of them. Um, Mark, you wrote about Demetrius Robertson after the scrimmage on Saturday. He had a few good plays. We, we keep hearing good things about him, but what do you think about the rest of this receiving core and who might step up and how many guys are they going to use in that primary rotation? Is this going to be four or five guys, or could it go even deeper than that for, for Bo Nix in the passing game? Yeah, the way they're teaching those guys, Nathan, they can play multiple positions. So that takes some of the knee, you know, to have 10 or guys ready or 11 guys ready, you know, where you're going to run three and four wide receiver sets. But, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a huge amount of separation right now with some of those guys. And uh, they got different t- body types out there. Demetrius Robertson is, you know, a little bit of a smaller quicker type of guy and uh, you know Elijah Canyon six foot four um, and Xavier Capers is six foot four and one of them is like 190 one's like 214 so those are big receivers played a little bit and, you know I think those guys are definitely going to play I think Shedrick Jackson's going to play a good bit um, he, he was a good receiver at Hoover High School but he just hasn't been thrown too much uh, at Auburn and they they certainly had some really good options the last couple of years to throw to, but those guys are all gone now. So uh, Jackson's strong. He's um, when he's been thrown to, he's made some good plays, but he's mostly been in there as a blocker. And uh, you know, if he keeps blocking well, he's going to get on the field a lot more and maybe Bo Nix will throw more to him. But uh, I'm really interested to see Javarius Johnson, how he does. He was a guy stepped up in spring training and, he was really quick. He was giving people uh, lots of problems trying to cover him man to man. And, uh, you know, if he can do that in the fall and hold up, even though he weighs 159 or 160 pounds, they might have something there because there's a place on the field for those guys. They can stick in the slot and cause matchup problems and can, and can convert third down in six plays, Nathan. Yeah, that one of that they were one of the more praised groups in that scrimmage. And it does seem like everything that we've observed and everything we've seen from fall camp so far shows that they've made that progression from this. And they were putting a real they were dealt a bad hand in the spring. You know, there's three or four guys that were asked to do everything in a brand new offense because they had so many injuries. So I think this receiver group might be a little bit farther along than people thought they might be. And Demetrius Robertson has been um, a big part of that. I almost forgot about I was about to go to the offensive line. I almost forgot about the tight ends, but that's an interesting one right now because it's been so difficult um, to tell who's at the top. I think John Samuel Shanker, I mean, obviously he's, I mean, he's been like their starting tight end since a few games, since after Jalen Harris left in like 2018. <laughs> yeah. So he's been, I, he's been doing, he's been doing it a long time. 
Um, Tyler Fromm makes, made some great strides. Luke Deal played a lot more than people realized last season as a good blocker. Um, Jason, where do you every snap, pretty much every snap in spring ball was had a tight end on the field. Um, there was a lot of 12 personnel as well. So you're probably going to want two main guys. Um, is it is it Shanker and Fromm? Is it Shanker and Deal? Who do you see as those guys that that are going to play out at the top of the rotation? Or are they going to just go with four of them and just rotate them throughout the year? Yeah, I, I think it depends on the identity of this team, a lot of it. Um, I think if, you know, and I, I think especially early on, you know, you've got questions about wide receiver, kind of how you how those guys are going to play. You do that, you go, you got Tank Biggs, but you got Sean Shivers, you got an offensive line group that probably is better going straight ahead downhill. I think you're probably more likely to see more John Samuel Schenker and Luke Deal in that situation. Um, now, I do think that you could you could see maybe three tight ends on the field at times. I, I think they could they could be a Kansas City's Chiefs or a San Francisco 49er type offense with this group because you got some guys that can do some different things. And probably the most exciting thing is that this is the Brandon Frazier athletically that that we thought we were going to see last year. Um, you know, he he's, has medical issue, whatever it was. And then when he came back last year, he looked a step slow. He looked like a guy that had missed a lot of time. Now you look at Brandon Frazier and you see that athleticism that you saw on, on film coming out of high school in Texas. And you, you, Tyler Fromm's a guy that probably has caught more passes than, than anybody on this football team um, with his, both his brothers being quarterback, one of them being Jake Fromm and his other brother being a quarterback as well. He's got. He's probably caught thousands and thousands of, of passes in his lifetime. Um, so I, I think there's a good mixture. I would say John Samuel Schenker is a guy that's going to be on the field a lot because I think if you start talking about putting guys in the backfield, he's the most likely guy to to line up and be a fullback, H back, and then you know transition. Luke Deal will do some of that too because he's a he's just kind of a, a classic tight end. So they got lots of options, but I think we're going to see plenty of those guys this year. Mark, you wrote about the tight ends today. How different is this group going to look this season in terms of what they do? And is this the year they're finally going to utilize those guys a bunch? They, they did more last year, to, to Chad Morris's credit. They did implement them more in the offense last season. But how much of a focal point, like Jason said at the beginning of the season, do you think they'll be? It's going to be fun to see what happens with that because you might see them lined up at fullback. You might see them lined up with their hand on the ground like a traditional tight end and maybe have two tight ends out there at the same time. You might see one as an H-back. You might see one as a slot receiver. And, you know, if I, I would seriously think about putting Frazier out there and flex him outside and put him on a cornerback. He's 6'7". He runs pretty well. And then Tyler Fromm is 6'5". And he was basically a wide receiver in high school over at Warner Robins. So, uh you know, it could cause some matchup problems that way. And who knows, might even see three tight ends on the field at the same time. Uh, you know, two tight ends with their hands on the ground and one of the tight ends, probably Luke Deal, lined up in the backfield as a fullback. So, uh, or, and, you know, Shaker could certainly do that. He's a good blocker. So uh, I think tight end might be their best position on offense as far as quality depth, depth goes. Yeah, I think I would agree. I think I agree with you on that. Everybody and Jason, you you tweeted about it today that like from for the next five years, it's going to be if somebody's six foot six and runs like a wide receiver and they play tight end, they're going to be compared to, to to Kyle Pitts. But it's it's it, yeah, it's it's, it's an unfair unfair thing to do. 
Um, you, know, you go like like Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, all those guys. You may not have one of those guys singularly, but you got a group now that and that especially because of the way the offense can be played, that you look like you're going to be able to have some production at the tight end position. And when you're talking about question marks a wide receiver, if you got a group of those tight ends and you're running the football, those guys can can you know especially like Tyler Fromm and Brandon Frazier, two guys that maybe can stretch the field a little bit uh, in the middle of the field. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And I wouldn't rule out Landon King, too, because about to say, yeah. he's like built like a a tall, lanky wide receiver. He's like 6'5 and about 190 pounds. And he was a big play guy in high school football in Texas. He had exceptional yards per catch averages, and he made a lot of big plays in state playoff games. So, you know, that's five good tight ends. And they had the luxury of moving J.J. Pegues, who played a lot of tight end last year over to defensive tackle. And it will, I don't think it's a real problem because – They've, they've got plenty of depth there. Landon King might be my, like, one of my favorite he'll be good in the 2023 season guys right now. I'm excited. I'm, you know, everybody will make the Kyle Pitts comparison, whatever. I, I think, like you said, he can be that flex wide receiver tight end guy in a couple of years. I'm excited to see what happens with him. Um, the offensive line, we, we think we know what it looks like, and then they cross-train some more when we're at practice, and we have no idea what we're seeing. And then we go back to practice again. We think we, we know what we're doing. And then you go back today and they had one of the most different lineups they've had all season or all preseason. You had Austin Troxel um, at left tackle, Brandon Council at left guard, which we talked to him not long ago. And he said, yeah, I'm only at right guard, and right tackle right now. And then they move him over to left guard. Nick Brahms obviously is pretty uncontested at center right now. Um, right guard Keandre Jones getting easily the most work he has all preseason. Um, and then Brendan Coffey in there at right tackle. Obviously, if you haven't read the practice observations, we're not we're asked not to disclose injury situations or guys who aren't at practice. So you can kind of do the math there um, and figure out what's going on with some of the guys on the offensive line. But really different lineup today, Jason. What did you think about the starting five they had out there today? Starting five, I say in quotations. It was all in drills. But I mean. I don't really know what to think of where this offensive line is headed right now. And I know they want to get it set before the season starts, but I, I don't necessarily have an idea of what this starting five is going to look like because they change almost every day. No, it's almost a matter of who do you feel like you, who do you feel good about being in the group and, and you kind of go from there and then you figure out the positions later. I think you feel like pretty, pretty certain that Nick Brahms is going to be in the group as the center. Um, you feel pretty certain that Brandon council is going to be in the group at one of the guard positions. I think we're, Pretty solid in that you know thought as well, and I think you're pretty solid right now that Austin Trox is going to be one of the tackles. I think he's the guy that's probably your left tackle. So you start going, you know, a guard spot and a tackle spot. Um, you know, Bradarius Ham has the experience. Brendan Coffee's got some experience. I've heard some good things about Brendan Coffee in terms of his athleticism. Um, not a surprise. Can he can he take it and be that consistent guy in a second scrimmage and and do some things with it? I think that's interesting. Keontre Jones. I thought that he's a guy that once he got on the field was going to be tough to get out of there. Once he kind of sunk his his teeth back into it, 
the interesting guy to me has been Jaleel Irvin. We've seen Jaleel Irvin get some first-team reps. Um, a guy that was a center that's this he just continued to work and 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 kind of you know gnaw at it a little bit and get better and a little bit better. And same thing with you, know, you think about um, you know Tate Johnson uh, that's done kind of the same things. Those are two guys that lots of folks probably thought now nah, these these guys aren't going to be able to help, and they look like those guys may be. They may be your seventh, eighth guys, eighth, ninth guys, or and maybe in the mix a little bit. That's a big deal. Um, and so I, I think it's I feel good, certain about probably three guys right now. Pretty good about Keandre Jones, and then Brodarius Ham, Brendan Coffey. To me, that might be an interesting one at tackle. Um, do they move Brodarius back inside? Is you know is does he have health issues pop up again that, that it cost him last year? I mean that's the thing that he's kind of dealt with some too. Is he had bad knees, those kind of things. So there's still some questions there for Will Friend. Do you think Tayshawn Manning is what does his situation look like right now? Because we've seen today he was in there, he's fine, he's at practice, but Council was in at left guard. We saw, like you said, Jalil Irvin got some reps for him at left guard. I just don't really see a spot for him right now unless unless he kind of has a breakthrough into the camp. Yeah, you know, Mark would kind of vouch. We we've seen these things a lot over the years. What 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 we really don't know is is that you know in the end, is Will Friend feel good enough about him that he's given some other reps to other guys to to get his other guys going. I don't that's think true. that's the case with this one. Mm. Sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes they go, hey, this guy's pretty good. Let's let's see what we got everywhere else around him to go from there. But I think I think I think this is one where it's a case of I think they're they're trying to find their five guys right now, Mark. Yeah, the uh, the one thing it's interesting about this year, guys, is they don't have to have it figured out on opening day. Um, you and I could go in and play some snaps against Akron on the offensive line at Auburn. Would still I, I don't know. Back. I don't know if I'm going that far, but I might give you one or two maybe for that might one be better. Or two. <laughs> but uh, basically, they got two extra scrimmages before they play a, a serious opponent at Penn State. They better be buckled up, ready to go by game three. But, I mean, Akron is about the worst team in major college football last year. I don't think they're going to be a whole lot better this year. And Alabama State plays at a lower level. So um, there's certainly no big rush. They're still more than two weeks away from, um, from the first game. So, but – but you guys know, I mean, offensive line coaches love to get it figured out as soon as possible, get five guys working together and building chemistry. And will they get that done in preseason? Maybe. But the way they've been moving them around, uh, I think they still got some work to do on that front. Yeah, I think – so they updated – ESPN updated the SP Plus like a few days ago. I think Akron is the third worst team in that metric – and then obviously Alabama State doesn't even count because they're on the FCS level. So Auburn has the third or fourth toughest schedule in the country. But during that stretch from weeks one to two, they have like the second or third easiest in the country. So it's not a it's not a it's not a dig by Mark to say scrimmages. I mean, it really is definitely some of the easier opponents no, and anybody could play. Like all Tommy Tuberville used to say, we got a couple of exhibition games coming up. That's well, not and, what it is. And, and and for this team though, it's it's almost ideal. When you talk about yeah, huge systems on both sides of the ball, uh, trying to find out things, you know, last year was such a difficult scenario 
for a team that that had a brand new offensive line to jump in and 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 have none of those games to ease into the season. This year they get a little bit of a like a little help with it, and more like Mark said, they this is something they need to take advantage of. I Plus think last it, year preseason was a big mess because of all the COVID protocols, and uh, I mean they didn't have the same guys out there from week to week available to practice, and that was true with the defensive front too. So the offensive line wasn't always getting quality work against defensive players. Yeah, I think I mean Penn State's got their own. I think they'll bounce back pretty well, but they're not perfect. Um, I think they're probably in a better spot than Auburn, but I think that game would not be very pretty if it was just week one for Auburn on the road, hostile environment against Penn State. I don't I don't think that would go over very well, but I think they give themselves a pretty good chance. Um, so we'll flip over line of scrimmages. We've been doing offense for a long time. Um, defensive line, another one, like the wide receivers, those were kind of the two unproven groups, and then you lose Tyrone Truesdale. But those were the two groups on Saturday from the scrimmage that were probably praised the most by Brian Harson. Obviously, you're helped a lot when you've got a duo of all SEC linebackers behind you and Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean. But we've heard nothing but good things about this group and their ability to improve since Tyrone Truesdale left. I think Tony Fair has been really big there. Um, Marcus Harris, I mean, I was watching him today. He continues to impress the heck out of me. Um, strong and athletic. I think he's he's got a spot locked down in that, in that top rotation. Um, Jason, we talked about it last week that on Auburn's defensive line, you know, three, four, four, three, it doesn't really matter. You're, you're going to, you're going to get a solid set of guys regardless, but who are the guys that have popped to you the most? And like you said, on the offensive line, you know, it doesn't matter about the lineup. Who are your sure things right now that you know are going to help Auburn regardless of what kind of alignment they go with? Yeah. I think you, you got to start with Colby Wooden and Derek Hall. I think those are the two guys with that you say, Hey, no matter what, those guys are going to be on the field somewhere. Uh, I think we've learned that. Um, and I think we probably knew that even before this thing started in the preseason. The question you have in this is it's kind of almost dependent on, you know, like we're talking about wide receiver tight end. Defense kind of the same way. Um, think about sometimes the opposition. Um, if you're playing a team that's, you know, say Mississippi State, for example, probably not going to see a lot of Tony Fair in that game. Um, it's just not his type of game. Um, but LSU, Arkansas, maybe you see a little bit more of him in those type situations on, on early downs. He's not going to be on the field much on third down unless it's third and one. But um, I think, you know, Marcus Harris, you mentioned, is a – he reminds me a lot of Marlon a little bit just watching him. He's a Montgomery guy, um, not 6'5", but he, he's that guy that looks like a big linebacker. He's just a big athletic kid. Um, I think he's a guy that's in there. Zykevis Walker, I think, is a guy that – when you, when you look at, at what you want to do on defense, he kind of fits the bill at 300 pounds. Um, but, you know, there's there's so many possibilities that, you know, we kind of bounce this thing back and forth. And you think about T.D. Moultrie and E.Q. Leota outside. And, um, Mark, we've seen T.D. a long time, um, Nathan has too. He's a guy that if they can find the right spot and the right situation for – he could come out of nowhere and, and be an impact player for this defense, and that could change the way this front seven plays his game, doesn't it? We got some really good reports from people who um, know what they were seeing watching the scrimmage. Uh, one, and said the TD was really causing problems with his quickness on the edge. And, you know, talking to TD back in the spring, Jason, we did a magazine article on him, and uh, he's pretty fired up about this year. Uh, you know, he could have gone into the transfer portal 
and had a chance to play someplace else because, you know, he was a very highly recruited guy and he just hasn't really lived up to his potential. But, uh, boy, he looks part physically. This edge position in the 3-4 looks like it's really suited for him very well. And I'm curious to see what type of pass rush he can have. Same deal with Romello Height, uh, a young, quick uh, edge rusher. And then uh, Leota uh, in the transfer originally from Asheville, North Carolina, where he was a great high school sack guy up there. He, his family had, had family ties to Northwestern, went up there, played for a couple of years. He's here now with two years of eligibility as a grad transfer. And he was a third-team All-Big Ten guy last year. Didn't play a lot, but had four sacks. So there's some really interesting possibilities on the defensive front. And we hadn't even talked about J.J. Pegues yet, making yeah. him move over to defense. And the guy is such a good athlete. I think he's going to be raw early in the season, but I think he'll get better as the season goes along. Yeah, you got Pegues, um, Marquise Burks, Trey Butler, who we've heard some stuff about in camp as well. And then Lee Hunter, the true freshman who was here in the spring. That's the thing that Nick Eason has, and really him and Burt Watts both, Nathan, is there's a lot of bodies. There's a lot of guys up there now. You have the right combination. Um, and, and I think in Colby Wooden and, and you know, a couple of those guys, you've got guys that you feel like no matter what, those guys are going to go out there and, 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 and be a dog kind of guy. Can the other guys step into those roles? Um, I think you have the potential for that to happen. And, um, you know, I think uh, Mark said, J.J. Pegues, he he could be the guy that we look up here in, in three months, and he could be the guy that's the difference maker for this defensive line. I, I mean, I could see him having that kind of potential. Yeah, I've kind of – my mind has kind of been been flipped a little bit here on my perspective of the defensive line since – fall camp started because like you said, you've got the guys that, you know, you can count on. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody like Marcus Harris, maybe develop into that kind of person by the time the season starts. But like Mark said, it's so dependent on getting them in the right roles because TD Moultrie was a beast on Saturday. Somebody else posted on our board. That's what's so great about our board too, is that, you know, you've got people who also know what they're talking about. Um, they said that 99 was the best player on the field a lot of the time on Saturday. That's huge for a guy like him who, who has had a pretty um, down past couple of years. He came on pretty strong at Auburn, but then has, has not had the best of seasons the last couple of years. Um, Owen Papo said, or is it either Owen or Jacoby said that, uh, that Romello Hyde had three sacks one day in like an 11 on 11 setting. These guys have a lot of talent. That's not even to mention all the transfers. There's a lot of talent on the defensive line, a lot of talent at the edge position. It's all about, like you said, Easton and Watts getting these guys in positions to succeed and getting them to understand what they want them to do on a game in and game out basis. Does that happen at the beginning of the year? Maybe not. We'll see how long it takes. But like you said, by the end of the season, they might be in a pretty good situation. Um, we'll kind of transition to linebackers. You really don't have much to worry about there. Uh, you've got Owen Papo. You've got Zacoby McLean. Those are both all SEC guys. I think Zacoby McLean can be an All-American type player this season. We've known so much about the rotation behind them for a long time. Chandler Wooten is that number three guy. Then you've got those three youngsters. But Jason, I wanted to ask you about somebody that that I think stop me if I'm wrong, but you watched play in high school um, in Joko Willis. He's been an, a really interesting player to watch in practice because he's getting plenty of second team reps at linebacker. But something that I think slid under the radar is that Owen Papo said he's their star right now. Um, he's getting reps when they need a sixth defensive back because he's like six foot three, 185 pounds. He's not a huge stocky linebacker. He's got that length and, and range of motion to be able to play. 
I think we might be able to see him on the field a little bit more than a lot of people expect this year. Yeah, I think you could see him and, and Zion Puckett as another guy that kind of fits into that role a little bit. I think those could be two guys that that give you the option to step in there as an outside linebacker. But, you know, maybe those are guys we talked about. You probably won't see Tony Fair in certain situations. Those That may be a situation where those guys are on the field to be an extra – you know, extra linebacker or something like that against a team that's not going to throw, not going to run it a bunch. Um, but you know, Joko's an athletic kid, was a wide receiver. He caught passes from Kobe Hudson uh, when he was a junior in high school and uh, moved to linebacker. He's gotten bigger, continues to get bigger, but they got, they've got a lot of versatility behind those really, those three older guys. Um, Cam Riley's another guy that, you know, me and Mark, I think Cam was a sophomore, right? A second or third game of his sophomore season. Uh, me and Mark saw Cam Riley on the field. Um, there were a couple other guys that wound up, you know, being, you know, college guys. But he was a guy that when you saw him, you went, that guy kind of looks like Carlos Dansby. And I hate to throw that on somebody because uh, that's a tough comparison to make. But I think, I think Chandler people, Wooten compared him to – or somebody did to Carlos yeah, Dansby in the spring. Well, yes, yeah. so you're on it. Yeah, and so him, you know, look at Wesley Steiner, um, you know, those guys, some guys there that you start talking about, Desmond Tizzle, who's got so much. But he looks like KJ Britt right now. He's he's changed his body completely. They've got depth, and they got those three older guys um, to lead them. I I would guess going into the season right now that um, as long as those guys stay healthy, this will be as good a group of linebackers as Auburn's had in quite a while. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, I mean, that group, you look back at what they did with Travis Williams, and now it's a question of whether they can continue that with Jeff Schmetting because T. Will brought this group back to where a point where it hadn't been since he was an all-SEC linebacker back in 2004. We learned a little bit today, Mark. Uh, we actually learned a lot from Nehemiah Pritchett. That Probably one of the best interviews we've had this preseason, honestly. He didn't say a lot in terms of word count, but he gave a lot of really great information. We've got a very clear picture now of what this secondary looks like. And we'll start at the nickel position. Um, he said the two main guys right now, and this is Jason has called it all fall along that Donovan Kaufman is going to be a guy who's going to play nickel by Darius Knighton's going to go back to safety. But it always seemed like Mark that, that Ladarius Tennyson, his natural position was at nickel and they were just kind of trying stuff out um, in the spring. But Donovan Kaufman is a guy that comes in with a lot of experience from Derek Mason and, kind of has that rapport with him as his coach. What do you expect to see out of Kaufman in year one? And, and which of the transfers do you think will be more impactful, him or by, by Darius Knighton? Yeah, I think Kaufman might be the guy. You know, he was Class 5A Player of the Year in Louisiana uh, at Archbishop Rummel, which is a big-time high school powerhouse. And uh, uh, he was one of the better players they've had out there in recent years. And that's saying a lot. I remember seeing him play in the opening game for Vanderbilt last year against Texas A&M. If you remember, Texas A&M had a terrible time moving the ball in that game and was fortunate to beat Vanderbilt. And one of the reasons was because this kid is a true freshman, had 10 tackles in the game, 
and he was really all over the place. And uh, so I was impressed with him. Um, Darius Tennyson, he was one of these kind of guys when they signed him uh, out of North Florida that he was probably good enough. He could have played three or four different positions in, at college. He could have, you know, offense or defense. And he put up big numbers. He's really athletic. You know, he's a guy that can be a kickoff returner or a punt returner type of guy. And he's just, to me, Nathan, he looks like a big play ready to happen. So I think they, they got a chance to be really solid there at that nickel position. And, uh, you know, they got several other guys that could stick over there if they need to at it. But, uh, um, you know, I just think the secondary is starting to come around. And, uh, you know, it, there were some concerns, you know, going into spring practice because they lost some, some key guys. And, uh, but I think the transfer portal has probably had more impact so far on this team uh, in the secondary than any other spot because I think they got a lot of help, including uh, Roe Torrance, uh, the kid in from junior college in Kansas, who's a big athletic cornerback. And, uh, I mean, he's probably big enough to play safety, too, if they really needed him there. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about – I want to talk about Roe Torrance in a minute because I think he's been – I think he's been a little better than people thought he might be. Um, Jason, by Darius Knight, and that was your guy um, that you thought this whole time could be that starting safety alongside Smoke Monday. Obviously, this next scrimmage is huge on Friday for every position group, and, and nothing is is solidified yet. But we heard Derek Mason early in camp kind of talk about the chemistry between him and Smoke, and we were like, okay, it seems like they're they're together right now. Um, and then Nehemiah said today that he's the number one guy at safety next to Smoke. What does by Darius Knight bring to the table for Auburn and I was thinking about the other day, how important is a guy like him that has so much experience? Because really this is the first time in like five or six years that Auburn has not known exactly who it's going to thrust in at safety, has not had that young guy, Sherwood, you know, Monday, Daniel Thomas, Jeremiah Denson, that you've been grooming for a couple of years to throw right in there. Instead, they've got a guy who is a FCS All-American, one of the best guys at that level of college football over the past few years. I think that experience is is the first thing. You look at him in production, I mean, 250 plus tackles, nine interceptions. He's a guy that has made plays. He's um, he's a guy you look at it and you start thinking about what what are you looking for as a safety in today's college football. I love Jamie Sherwood. I think Jamie Sherwood's a heck of a football player. He's now playing probably what he should have played at Auburn, which <clears throat> which is linebacker, not safety. Middle linebacker. Uh, yep. It's just a tough tough thing right now with teams spreading the field and. You know, you got big tight ends that can run. You got small receivers, and they they they'll put you, you know, in those guys in the slot. Or you got to be able to cover. And I think Badarius Knight's a guy that can turn and run and do those things. And you know, you look at it. To me, you know, Tennyson does he fit at nickel? Does he stay at safety? I think he's, you know, I think he's a really good fit as a safety because he's such a downhill kid. But he gives you a guy that has has covered and played nickel, and it gives you more coverage options on the field. And you know, I know you're going to talk about Rotorns, Dreshawn Miller, these guys, but I think something that's interesting with Derek Mason is, you know, you got Donovan Kaufman that can play the nickel, but, you know, you got some options to put true cover corners and give you three cover corners on the field to playing that nickel spot with Dreshawn Miller or Rotorns. You know, say you're playing Georgia with, uh, with you know, Darnell Washington, and they're going, hey, how are you going to match up with that guy? Too too big for most EBs, too fast for your your linebackers. Um, Rotorance, you're 6'3, 195 pounds. You're gonna play the nickel and 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 that's your guy. Um, you know, that 
that's something that is a luxury for a, for a play caller to have, and that's that's something that they'll have a little bit more of this year. Yeah, secondary is the best position group on the roster, top to bottom. I mean, that's not a question. Um, we've talked about it before that Derek Mason wants these guys to be able to play different positions. Uh, Smoke Monday, he talked about his, you know, getting reps at nickel. Everybody, everybody's got to be able to do it all. Like you said, Roger McCreary's got to be able to slide in and play nickel as well. But yeah, Ro Torrance, he's been getting a lot more work with that primary rotation than, I mean, maybe I underestimated him as a guy, as a Juco guy. Maybe I looked at the rest of the guys ahead of them, but he's a, he's a, he's a build that Auburn hasn't had at corner in a while, six foot three. Um, Mark, are you surprised? I mean, are you surprised we haven't heard a little bit more about Dreshawn Miller? He was such a great player at West Virginia, but Nehemiah, you know, it sounded like he is still, sort of coming along in this defense and, and learning things because he didn't really mention him when he talked about the cornerback rotation today. He said he's in the mix, but he mentioned, you know, Jalen and, and himself and Roe Torrance before he got to, uh, before he got to Drayshon Miller. Um, I guess I, I expected him to be a guy that was like that immediate starter across from McCreary, but now it seems like there's a lot more competition than that. Yeah. I would rule that out happening yet. Uh, Nehemiah might not be throwing praise on in the competition. It's <laughs> very uh, true. That's a great point. So, uh, uh, but um, yeah, I think that I think Miller is, uh, you know, so experienced. He had all that playing time out in Arizona in junior college, did really well out there, and then went to West Virginia and was one of the better coverage guys in the Big 12. So uh, it certainly is, a, you know, a potential to be pretty good out there because I think McCreary might be the best player on the defense this year if it's not Sokovi McLean or Owen. Popo. So uh, uh, I just think McCreary is the kind of guy we could see playing in the NFL for many years. Uh, he's just such a good athlete and he's gotten better every year. And from talking to Roger, I think he thinks he's getting ready to have his best year. And uh, if he's a lot better than he was as a junior, that's going to be really good all SEC caliber. So, um, you know, I agree with you. The secondary's got some real potential, and it's going to be fun to watch. There's some guys out there like Amari Harvey. Um, you know, are, are good athletes. They got to, you know, some teams and Auburn teams. You know, that they be getting guy like him ready to play a lot early, and um, you know, a heck of a walk on too. Trey Elston, heck of a walk on is guy that that yep. may be in the mix is one of those. You know, backup safety guys that's going to be on special teams for sure. Um, a couple so, of guys have told me Devin Geis is like one of the yeah. best athletes on the whole he, team. Derek Mason loves him. He uses him in practice all the time. He's getting yeah, first-team so, nickel reps like a few yeah, weeks ago. I mean, yeah, they're going to be a couple of those, those local walk-on kids that are going to be on the field, whether special teams or in some special situations. Um, and they secondary that, hey, eight or nine or ten deep. Um, but that's what you got to have. Got a lot of walk-on love on the podcast today. You love to see it. Um, so Friday night is going to be the next scrimmage, the second and last scrimmage of the preseason. Um, it's not the end-all, be-all, but it is really, really important for a lot of these guys, especially positions where you're trying to stand out and make a difference from your from your peer. Like Mark said, you know, in the competition, you're definitely wanting to have a better night Friday night than the guy next to you in the depth chart. Each of y'all, give me something that you're looking out for. We're not going to be in the stadium, but something you're going to want to hear. What are you most going to be keeping your ears open for on this scrimmage on on Friday, Jason? I guess I'll I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I think to see if that is if the offense 
executes a little bit more. It's that first scrimmage always tough when you've been repping about 10 or 12 plays and the defense has seen them about 150 times in four days. And then you got to go out there and try to do that in a scrimmage and they're pinning their ears back and yelling, Hey, here, this is the year. Here it is. Now you give yourself a little bit more of an opportunity. I think in, in scrimmage number two, you got a chance to go out there and do some different things. Um, can they execute? Um, can they protect the quarterback? Um, those are the two things to me. And then, Playmakers and wide receiver. Um, can they continue to do that and, and show that you know, and be more consistent? That's the thing. Consistency on offense, defense just just do what they do. Yeah, for me, the number one thing to get better at is offensive line has got to do a better job of handling the front seven on defense. Front seven on defense uh, dominated scrimmage one. And, uh, you know, it's not all that unusual that the defense outplays the offense in this first preseason scrimmage, but they it was a little bit on the extreme in there. You know, the offense came out and did some really good things early in the scrimmage, but after that, the defense held the upper hand. So, um, you know, if those guys uh, on offense have got the type of pride the coaches want to see, they're going to come back out for scrimmage two and, and put on a better show. Yeah, it's always tough for that offense in the first scrimmage. And so you look for those individuals to step up and make bigger plays. And maybe we will finally get, you know, this offensive line situation. Maybe we'll finally get a better understanding of it. But or they'll draw it out and try to try to have their best five out there and continue to to work out those kinks. So we shall see. Keep it locked at AuburnUndercover.com. We'll have all of the coverage from that. Possibly could be some big recruiting news a little later in the week. We'll have a podcast on that um, if that ends up coming to pass. Thanks so much to Mark and Jason for coming on this evening and giving us so much of their time on the Roundtable podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed that edition of the show. Please, as usual, leave me any sort of comments you have. Um, go find me on Twitter, Nathan King 247 any sort of suggestions. Still trying to make this thing the best possible product for you guys that I can. Now in the preseason, going to move into the season. Super excited about what we're going to do during the season. Now only, let's see, yeah, two weeks away on Saturday, only two weeks away from the season. Um, a quick bit of news, if you hadn't seen um, speaking about moving toward the season, the Saturday before the season starts, so it's going to be week zero for a lot of people. That's August 28th. Um, Brian Harson is actually opening up practice to people um, to come see in Jordan Hare Stadium. So um, that starts at noon. There's going to be like a bounce house and obby and the band and all that fun stuff outside the stadium. I th- I'm pretty sure this is going to be like in lieu of Fan Day because I don't know about the future of Fan Day because of NIL. I don't know if you're just going to if you want players just signing stuff. Players probably won't be wanting to sign stuff for free for, for right now. But they're going to do something pretty cool outside the stadium. That'll start at noon. Uh, Gates open at 1 o'clock. Practice is supposed to start at 2. So hope everybody in this area can come out um, and check out that practice. And you can maybe see some of the things that we've had to dance around because we're not allowed right now to to talk about uh, injuries and guys that have missed practice. So the embargo will definitely be lifted by then because they'll have thousands of people in the stadium looking at it. So hope everybody enjoyed the episode today. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. If you enjoyed the podcast today, um, subscribe, add it to your rotation. It really, really does help us out. So I thank you guys so much for doing that. The intro and outro music for this show is by Beats by Mordecai. That's Beats by Mordecai. You can find him on SoundCloud, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much to him for giving us that, giving us some funky stuff to come in and out of the show with. And until next time, again, might have some big recruiting news for Auburn football and basketball later in the week. Keep it locked at auburnundercover.com. Oh, let me sneak this in here. Actually, I almost forgot. Um, if you listen to the show and you're not a subscriber, I'll just, you know, and I, you know, plug it. I plug it sometimes. 
Um, Got to pay the bills. We're offering one of our best deals of the year right now. If not our best deal, I haven't gone back and looked at every single deal that we run. Um, but basically it's the anniversary deal right now on this day. So what is, what is today? Today's August 17th, um, 11 years ago, 24 seven sports was founded. And so we run a big sale at this time every year. You can get 75% off an annual subscription right now. It only runs until tomorrow. That's Wednesday. It only runs until Wednesday at midnight Eastern time. So it'll be done at like 1059 central time. If you're listening to us on central, um, it's less than $27 for the entire year. Um, and I, I think that's an incredible rate. Um, I'm really excited about the stuff we've been able to do this preseason. If you've listened to the podcast, if you followed our stuff along at auburnundercover.com and you want to get in on the discussions on the message board, you want to read some of that great VIP recruiting and football and basketball content on our website, please do consider subscribing. We would absolutely love to have you. If you end up doing it, cannot wait to see you guys there on the body get a message for. So definitely go check that out. It's on the front page of the website, auburnundercover.com. Check out that deal. Um, if you're thinking about pulling the trigger at any time, if you ever thought about being a sub, this is it. This is, I mean, less than 27 bucks for an entire year, literally getting you through to the 2022 fall camp. I'd say that's a pretty, that's a pretty sweet deal. So go check it out. Appreciate everybody again for listening. If you go, if you go do that, thanks so much for supporting us and supporting the website. I will see you guys later in the week. We'll probably have some great recruiting news for Auburn to talk about. And hope everybody has a great rest of the week.